0: live. Uh, welcome back to Pores and Pixels. I'm Tyler. DJ is here. DJ is there. And uh, we are uh, sitting down tonight with special guest Drew Cummins. Uh, Drew, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks, guys.
0: Yeah. Um, so we were really interested in this game that you're working on called The Milk Lake, and we thought we would reach out and have a chat about that. But before we jump to it, uh, we're going to talk through our pores for the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, tradition has it that the guest goes first. So...
1: Okay, I'm drinking. I, I so I kind of asked my friends when I told them about this, like, what is the canonical Drew drink? And everybody agreed that it is a gin martini, um, which is like my my number one. I'm is like that no to Yeah, I'm no stranger to drinking. I'm a, a non-trivial drinker, and uh, so it's Hendrix gin and Dolan for the dry vermouth. Six parts gin to a little bit more than one part
2: for Matthew. That's got to be the fanciest drink we've had on the show so far. <laughs> well,
0: uh I got to tell you, I think that if it's not it's probably a close second to when uh god I'm going to I'm going to say his name wrong. I was about to call him Patrick, but I know it's Patrick. Um had his uh non-alcoholic old fashion, which I think is interesting cuz I don't keep the stuff on hand at home to make non-alcoholic drinks generally. No. Not either. Um, Drew, I have a question yeah. because I am a whiskey guy mm-hmm. generally, but I have not had much gin in my time. If someone was interested in gin, what would you say is a good one to try? And does anyone drink gin neat or is it always mixed?
1: I think like people with real problems drink gin neat. Not that that's like, okay. you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but <laughs> it's I, just I, I, I think it's just not good by itself. Okay. Um, okay. I like, And I think even the way that I enjoy it is like as close to enjoying gin by itself as possible, which is, you know, a martini that's almost just gin. Um, uh, But I I mean, like my favorite is Hendrix. I just think it's like a good balance of like some floral aspect to it um, without being too much like modern gins is the people, the stuff that people are into right now, super floral and over the top, in my opinion. So I kind of Hendrix is a good balance one.
2: Interesting. Interesting. I, I disrespected uh, any, any a distillery once because of gin. It was in Jacksonville back when we were living down there. And I went to this distillery and I can't remember the name of it, but they had like this blind taste test of like other gins, and I don't like gin like at all. Um, I think it tastes like poopy water. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they had this blind taste test, and they had like Bombay and like the five o'clock version of gin and like their gin. And then I get to rate them on which one was worse, and like the one they gave me like tasted like actual like gasoline. And I was like, yeah, this one's definitely the the cheap stuff because it tastes really bad. And end up being theirs, and I was like, oh, <laughs> we're gonna leave now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think that's a,
0: a, a risk that you take if you give people a blind flight, ask them to rate it, and you put your own product
2: in there. Someone's gonna be like, this sucks. Yeah, It was watch. also what the first time this? i ever and had. You have to be like, <laughs> yeah, that's mine. It was also the first time I ever had completely clear whiskey because i hadn't been put in the barrels yet. And that was very odd. Yeah, I generally I think gin is not
0: barrel aged, is it? I think no. you just distill no. it and bottle it and sell it. Yeah, yep. but they also had like whiskey. Which maybe and- is why people don't drink it neat. Yeah because yeah, the barrel characters, why you love whiskey or
2: why I love whiskey. Uh DJ, what are you drinking tonight? Well, um a couple episodes ago or maybe it was when we were just bullshit and playing games, you told me about Southern Tier Brewing Company and like my wife talking to me, selective hearing. I didn't actually hear the whole story when you told me about it. So when I saw this in the story the other day, this variety pack, I was like, Oh, subconsciously. I was like, somebody told me about this. I got to try it today. Tonight I'm drinking this stuff called two times haze by Southern tier brewing company. And it is better than the first one I had. I had this new haze stuff last night and it tastes, it had pulp in it. It didn't, it wasn't actually pulpy. It didn't have like the live yeast in it, but it, it tasted like it had pulp in it, like orange juice. It was weird. I didn't like it at all. I didn't even finish it. Uh, this stuff is better. Yeah, It's a 8.2% alcohol, um, but it's still not great. It's pretty good for a beer. Yeah, it's it's like a 2.1 on my scale. I do
0: specifically remember telling you the other week that that variety pack, I assume is the one that you bought, yeah. is uh, like, meh, for the money. Yeah. It's so-so for a $20 12 pack, you hope that you get like maybe two of those beers, maybe three that you're like, Oh, this is pretty good. And there was one that was kind of like, mm. but I'd say half of that pack is like, eh, so that's not a repeat buy for me.
2: Yeah. Well, you can't have always good beer and drinks on the show. So
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, occasionally we're going to we're going to run into stuff where it's like,
2: ah, uh, this is, is not great. No, this especially
0: is if you always try and st- if you try new stuff. So, yeah. Um, I am drinking. Uh, I know I showed you guys just a few minutes ago, but for everyone who wasn't on the camera and didn't hear it, uh, Maker's Mark 46, which is the French oaked uh, version of Maker's Mark, and it's still weeded and delicious and sweet, but uh, it's got this like spicy, maybe like allspice, cinnamony characteristic to it. Mm. Not flavored. It's just like it, it. Like if you, if I told you it was cinnamony and you're not a whiskey drinker, you'd be like, "There's no cinnamon in that. that <laughs> that's hot." Um, but if you're a whiskey drinker, it's it's got like a uh, more of a spicy kind of take on Maker's Mark's regular recipe. So, gotcha. it's pretty solid. Anyway, um, let's jump into talking about the Milk Lake. Um, Drew, can you just kind of generally outline like what the game is about? Like, what's your vision for it?
1: Okay, sure. The Milk Lake is a game where you run around and you hit stuff with your sword um and i love those
0: games i'm in soul. <laughs> yeah, so, you, so this is
1: like something you know about you've done this before um cool. but it's uh you know like i have a story that's kind of going on that like uh you know part of the creative process is not really knowing how much of that story is actually important for creating the game that i want to um uh but it's 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 a game about tracking down and exacting revenge on a dragon that uh burnt your town to a crisp and kind of along the way you just sort of like find out that it's like it's like humans that are like the real monsters Is kind of like the moral of 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 the story and so like a you know kind of like a, a game that is ultimately aimed to be intense and horrifying and make you be like, what the fuck is this world? Uh, but also one in the end that's like makes you not necessarily feel super good about like, you know, doing the the easy thing that you're used to doing in a game.
0: Cool. No, that sounds awesome. I um I recently been uh reading fantasy a, a fair bit this this year and one of my um co-workers turned me on to um some of Ari Salvatore's work. So he's famous for writing a lot of the um, uh, D D inspired like forgotten realms novels okay and uh anyway he wrote this whole saga called the demon wars saga um the original three that i've read um kind of have like their own trilogy i think there's some more that happened later but anyway um there's a it's like a similar situation like the book kind of starts covering like uh young children is is the age of like your um protagonist there And the village is raided and burned down by goblins, right? And there's all this horrific stuff and they have to fight through like the trauma and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, they end up like going off on this like quest to like kind of take revenge and grow into someone who can protect others so that it doesn't happen to them. So I I, I think the idea of, you know, this like incredibly powerful, you probably can't touch this kind of being wrecking your shit and just, you know, destroying your world at the beginning, right? And then you having to like pick yourself up and figure out how to rise to that challenge whether it's vengeance or bravery or whatever it is is driving you yeah right. it's, a, but, it's a
1: great obstacle classic you know hero's journey sort of thing for sure
0: yeah no it sounds awesome um i also love the uh what you described as humans being the real monsters and the immediate thing that i thought about was uh the witcher series mm-hmm. uh witcher 2 witcher 3 i played a lot of i didn't play the original too much it was kind of aged by the time i found it but um, also a series where um, DJ I know you also read all the books not all um, I'm in the
2: process of reading all of them I, okay on okay the well, last one or last two I can't remember
0: um, I read all the novels uh, on the last deployment that we went on uh, while I was in the Navy and it that theme drives itself you know all the way throughout is there's all this monster hunting and awful beast right uh-huh. but the more that you kind of dig under the surface right like it's like oh no human beings are they're, they're as to- bad as any vampire you're going to run across, right? to- like, totally.
1: And I feel like, it, yeah. you know, that's like a lesson you learn, like when you become an adult kind of it's like, oh, you know, like it's people that create all the bullshit in the world.
2: That's true. <laughs> that is a holy, yeah, that's true. The older, the, the later in my 20s, it was just more and more of kind of like realizing that, like, yeah, I'm just going to focus on like my 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 circle right now. I don't really, all this stuff, crazy stuff going on in the world is it, nuts and it's all people doing it. You know how like when you're a kid though, um,
0: you know when you think of monsters, the only realistic thing I can I can maybe tie it to would be like sh- sharks in the ocean, right, or like bears in the forest, or large predators. But like if they do something, like can you really blame them, or is it more like that's just their nature? Like they're not they're not doing anything wrong, you know what I mean? I
1: mean? You like I don't blame them, but I don't have to like them for being dick. No, right? I know, <laughs> yeah. But,
0: like when you're a kid you're afraid of that yeah. though you're like oh god like these are you know that's a monster that's something that wants to hurt me and it's like well no i mean it's hungry right like it has it doesn't yeah. consider you in this process um but people you know when they do things to you like they they know like oh morally like i probably shouldn't do this right so it, that's that that'll be a, um it's always a fascinating concept to kind of explore and the idea of that kind of being laced throughout um you know, a, a, a hero's journey. I, I think. I mean, sign me up. It sounds awesome. Yeah, so cool. Nice. Um, uh, another thing that we we kind of noted uh, is is from what I'd seen on your Twitter is that it's, the Milk Lake has like a pretty dark aesthetic, which um, immediately draws a lot of people in. Um, dark fantasy is is at probably at the height of popularity right now, um, and I think that it it appears you know that it it looks to install some fear and a sense of panic uh urgency panic um you know just like a foreboding kind of kind of sense um and i'm i'm curious to know like what kind of inspired that like what made you want to create that atmosphere Um, movies games anything like that
1: yeah yeah i'll maybe, maybe i'll like kind of like uh back into like inspiration stuff but like uh like where I think this comes from like ultimately like the kernel of that thing that I want to create and that I want you to feel and that's awesome that that is conveyed that makes me feel super good about it is it goes back to like one of my first video game experiences and like I will date myself a little bit here but like playing the original Zelda on Nintendo as a kid and this is like you know like obviously like way before the internet and it's not like a game like in my head this is like not a game you can be without like reading Nintendo power magazine or having friends that tell you like where to go do a thing. I don't know how they figured it out. Uh, but it was just this world that just tickled something in my brain that was like, what the fuck is this? This is a fucking weird world. You know, like this is a absolutely bizarre kind of horrifying place that I'm in and had like mm-hmm. a tremendous sense of place for me Uh, as a young kid and I I can still kind of remember like the way that I conjured up that world in my head Um, and what happened was like you know like I've kind of played all the Zelda games and I've just been left with this feeling that like as time goes on they just like uh, create a more and more infantilized version of it and it stopped to have that awesome what the fuck is this world feeling for me um, mm-hmm. and it's like a, a thing that's like not necessarily captured in kind of darker fantasy. So like, you know, like dark souls doesn't like really capture it for me. It's like, that's just, uh, uh, purely dark or something. There's like, there's more of a, sure. I don't get it about the original Zelda in the way that I remembered it. And anyway, this is a long way of saying that what I want to create with the milk lake is an adult version of that thing that I felt as a little kid, uh, where the world that I'm immersed in just makes me like, like afraid and curious about the world at the same time.
2: I love that. Um, yeah, that's actually Zelda the Ocarina of time is, that, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about or you're talking about like the ones before that. I mean like
1: pretty much like, I mean certainly Ocarina of Time is like when it started to become like that yeah. for sure. And you know, like like it's cute, like I like the little radish guys, that's fun, but like it just kind of it destroys that scary what is this world feeling that I want.
2: Yeah, yeah. We we talked about this uh, I think on our very first episode, we talked about Ocarina of Time and I played a game as a kid. you brought it up a little bit. Yeah, and like I loved it every single second of it, and then on we're on deployment and I had an emulator of it. And this is like, you know, like 20 years after the fact, like I'm an adult uh-huh. now and I try to play it and it was, damn, was that the hardest game ever to play? Cause once you do that first little part and you get out into the world, it's like, all right, there you go. And as no, didn't tell you where, what to do. You're just like, okay, yeah. I guess I had to go figure this out. And it's like, wow, games have come so far that <laughs> like, cause they tell you exactly where to go now, but like mm-hmm. older games like that, it's almost hard to comprehend that we are we were able to like play them and beat them because we had no idea what to do and I, I didn't, I didn't beat it when the second, the, the when I was older playing through, cause I couldn't, I just couldn't remember where to go and what to do. And uh-huh. uh, it was nuts. To-
1: to- totally. And, but like, even to be clear, like I'm talking about like the actual first Zelda from like 1986, which is even yeah. more just like there, there's this part in it, right? Where you go into the woods and the only way to get to a place that you need to go is to, just imagine like a pattern that you have to follow. Like, cause the woods are just the kind of tiling and they just repeat. And like, there's like a, you go left three times. To- I forget what it is. Like left three times down twice up three times. To- like, and if you don't do that on the screen, that it looks the same every time it just goes forever. And like, oh, how man, that'd do you be such a
0: mind fuck? Yeah.
1: I mean like a, a horrible game design, but like it's, uh, you know, like, genuinely, I think of it as a game you can't beat without spending just just inordinate amounts of time on it. And, I, I mean, I did. I spent, you know, I i don't really know because, like I said, I was like six or seven. But, like, I think that I spent a really, really long time playing Zelda and it very much affected me. It was and was back before even, they
2: tracked that. Yeah. Now <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, you put a hundred hours in this. You're like, oh, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> right
0: uh Um, the thing that that jumped out to me as you were talking is these immersive worlds that kind of imprint on your brain right where like um for whatever reason the game really connects with you and it it could be for um immersion is is the, the the number one thing that kind of jumps out to me is like you feel like you lived that world like i can remember characters i can remember walking down this road and exactly what was going on and this and that right um the game for me that jumps out uh, in that way is uh, the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, I wouldn't say dark, generally speaking, but then there are times when like if you're playing the game and you're immersed in it, when you realize that like there's these gay ways to hell that are opening up literally everywhere mm-hmm. and monsters are kind of pouring into the world and it's my... Responsibility to go into this gate into Uh, hell, uh fight these like legions of demons and and that sort of things, right? And then close it, yeah. And then I can go back to my like you know, happy, colorful, sing song (laughs) fantasy world, right? But like, I remember playing that game and being so that was like the first one where I feel like I got really immersed in an RPG and i had that that like similar moment where like for me if i could create a game like if i could just like sit back and imagine something and this like become a real thing uh-huh. i would want a really modernized version with a darker twist on that feeling and yeah. I don't know that I would want it to be that same world, right? But then you're trying to capture that. Yeah, thing, yeah, so. totally.
1: I mean, it sounds like you totally get, like, this thing that I'm I talking think about.
0: Yeah. I think I know what, what the thing is. It's just, it is just It is a little hard to describe sure. um, yeah. unless you've maybe practiced doing that. But, um, DJ, do you have any, um, like, a, is there a game that jumps out to you where, like, the world itself, you remember it was, like, the first time that you really connected with being immersed in, like, a video game world? Oh, man,
2: that's really, that's a hard question because – I think instantly I think of a Ocarina of Time. Um, but also, there was this game, and I, man, I can't remember what the fuck it was called at this point. It was like on Sega, I think. And you couldn't save, you had to start over every time. <laughs> um, and I still remember, like, how, I could probably play it now and I could probably beat it because I still remember how to do it. But it was like a 2D platformer, and you're like swing, you swung, swang, I don't know, from Vines. Um, swinging, swinging from vines and stuff. I can't remember what it was, but it was the first, first ever a game that I played where like I couldn't it put pitfall? it down. What
1: Pit- pitfall was like Atari? That was yeah, that's what it was. Pitfall. was it?
2: No, was, it, was, it? was there yeah, it pitfall, pitfall on, Genesis? on Genesis? I think it was. I, was on I think Sega there was
0: a something. pitfall on Sega. Yeah, it might not have started there, but I think there was one yeah, on I think Sega. Yeah, that was the name
2: of it. it. Was Pitfall?
0: The only reason I remember that is because I remember swinging on vines, and I don't think you could save.
1: Maybe I'm just wrong because I googled this and it's just all Genesis.
0: Apparently, I'm figuring Maybe something out. Maybe DJ's else. wrong. Maybe it wasn't on Sega. No,
1: it is. no, it is. It definitely on Sega. I'm just super wrong. Forget what I just said.
2: <laughs> I mean, granted, That's back right. then there were all. That's those, what the internet's for. Yeah, all those <laughs> consoles were the same back then. Yeah, um, Pitfall. Oh man, just seeing the logo of it just brought me back.
0: <laughs> what about that world immersed you? Like, what made you feel like, oh man, like I really want to explore
2: this? so at this at this point in time all i had played ever was uh sonic the hedgehog so Mm -hmm. like that's all i had and it was the same thing it was like you know platform loop-de-loop grab coins it was the first game where there was like actual consequences if you messed up like you gotta start over right and uh it was the first game that kind of drove me to where i knew i couldn't save right so i had to Every day, every every time I shut it off, or turn back on, I start over. I wanted to beat the game, you know, like all the way through. And mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I just, my man, I fucking loved swinging from those vines because I remember it was also the first game where I played <laughs> that I sucked at it so bad and I was so like dedicated to like be better. And then once I figured out like the release timing for the vines to so grab another vine and do all this stuff, like it gave me that, you know, like, that satisfaction you get when you overcome mm-hmm. something. And maybe that's why it's it's stuck in my head for so long. But um, that game, maybe that's why you're a Souls fan now. It might be why I'm a Souls fan now. Yeah, I'm just a fucking masochist. <laughs>
0: yeah. oh. um, that that uh, the save feature sounds god awful to me, and I think it's the only reason I haven't tried out Returnal yet because everyone's keep telling they keep telling me you got to play this. It's like a it's a PS5 must have, right? And I'm like, I don't, but you have to start over every time, right? And they're like, yeah, it's the whole genre like it's not for me um anyway um drew i you described uh the milk lake kind of as an action rpg um with time dependent combat Mm -hmm. and shadow of the colossus type bosses um can you talk a little bit about that because yeah shadow of the colossus is near and dear to a lot of folks Mm -hmm. Uh, and time-dependent combat sounds horrifying. So,
1: I <laughs> do tell. I, th- I think uh, the Shadow of Colossus definitely one of my you know, like top five games for sure. Um, and I, I mean, like almost similar stuff I just kind of said about Zelda. But uh, I, I another thing that I kind of hate in games is that thing where it's like you, like you fight a baddie, right, and then they're wearing like a blue shirt, and then like later like two minutes later there's more of that guy only he has brown a brown shirt now and it's like the same. And it just feels like you were like I, I hate that like filler for like the concept of what a game's supposed to be thing and mm. shadow of the colossus is kind of like the diametric opposite of that where it's like
2: yeah.
1: a genuinely unique and weighty like uh placey like interaction and uh um you know conflict with a real feeling monster character and yeah it's just and i've always loved that i always thought like well this is like this is the this is such a richer experience than you know throwing just like non-stop stuff at you and like it's not that you can't have like the non-stop stuff right like uh zombie survival stuff is like popular for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um but but again, like that's not the game I want to make and it's not the thing that uh that like sticks in my brain in a way that makes me feel like uh you know I'm I'm never gonna forget this. Uh that'll make me forget it actively.
2: Yeah <laughs> actually... yeah yeah. So no DJ go ahead. Yeah I was gonna say one thing you point out there. It's you said that's not the game that I want to make. So that little comment we've talked about this in the past too is games that we like and we know like succeed are like they start out as a vision like this is the game I want to make, and they see it through. They don't take pressure from the outside and you know I'm not making I don't want to make the game that other people want. I'm trying to make the game that I want to want. That little little wording right there like mm-hmm. you sold me. I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the the thing that we talked about with
0: that previously. And I do think it's 100% true is that what ends up happening when you create anything, right, and you create it for yourself is that inevitably it's not for everyone, but it will be and it really will be for the people who it it resonates with, oh, right? Like,
1: I I super agree with this. This is something I think about all the time. There's uh
0: you know like the thing
1: that AAA studios do, right? Like they uh they're making something for the lowest common denominator. And I don't th- mean that in a negative way. They have yeah. to like, just, you know, economically they have to sell uh, a shit ton of their product to mm-hmm. justify their costs. Right. And like to, the only way to do that is to like, make, you know, like a like Marvel movie version, like of a video game, like whatever that is in video game world, which is sometimes a Marvel game.
0: Um, yeah. Literally I, that flaming shit, shit pile that was the Marvel game that came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And I but, said it. It, it. it can be my thoughts.
1: Yeah, like I'm not. It oh, was terrible. Agreeing or disagreeing? Um, <laughs> I haven't played. I heard
2: they were. Dogs. I thought it yeah, was. I, I know.
1: I, I literally know nothing about it. Like I'm so uninterested in it that I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's how much like I,
0: yeah. Uh, good for you. Save your money.
1: <laughs> but it, but like uh, yeah, the stuff that like again, like I want to make a game and maybe the audience that I'm reaching out to is literally just me, but I know that I'll love it. And like, that's, that's kind of my approach It's like, I'm going to make a thing that I think is neat. And that I think is, um, does the thing that I want it to do. Right. Like, which is certainly like, you know, like I also, I love like being super honest about this. Like for the most part, I have no clue what I'm doing. You know, I'm just, mm-hmm. It, it, making a game is a weird thing and it's, it's personal and it takes a ton of time and it's weirdly stressful. Um, and I have a ton of experience, like making games and writing software and I'm a huge math nerd. And like, there's a ton of like math involved in the way that I approach making a game and still, I, I kind of have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and like but that's like that. That's part of it, right? And it is. I genuinely believe that nobody really knows what they're doing. Everybody's like just kind of full of shit and doing their best to, you know, do a thing that they feel good about and try to like reap the rewards of being creative. And I think it's probably probably what I'm doing. I,
0: I feel like that's it. I mean, it almost by definition, though, is creativity. Is like if you show me someone who's an amazing amazing artist, and you're like that guy knows exactly what he's doing like I'm gonna call bullshit because then it's just a process it's not yeah not creativity yeah. active creativity I like at that. least in in my opinion right like I feel like it, once you're doing that it's you you know you you're almost a scientist at that point if you know exactly <laughs> yeah. what you're doing we're we're in science territory whereas i I always think like art is chaos
2: and it's chaos you know, contained. J-
1: to, to, totally. I And like, I, I actually agree with you. But like, even on a lower scale, I just, I would love to normalize people being more honest about the fact that they aren't entirely certain what they're doing. They don't have a perfect mm-hmm. plan. And that that's just who we are. Like, when I first started, you know, like, working in the professional world, like a huge thing for me to overcome was like that lizard brain shit that's like an aversion to saying, I don't know in a professional setting and like I I just think there's like that thing in the creative space is like everybody kind of pretends they know what they're doing and uh they have like a, a grand sort of plan for everything I just don't think that's how it is
0: we uh we have a phrase for this um on my team on during my for my day job and it's essentially like don't be afraid to learn in public which is like you know hey we're all figuring this out right and we have to give people the like the 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 room like the space to make mistakes because if you don't then people never try stuff and if you never try stuff you don't innovate right it's true um so i i love the i love the the sentiment there and and generally just the approach that you're taking which sounds like like i i know what i want to do and i'm going to figure it out is it perfect no but you know we're getting there and i think that Like I said earlier, is that if you build what you want to build, it it won't, you know, maybe it won't be for everybody. It might not sell 10 million copies, right? But you might sell a half million to people who fucking love what you did. (laughs) That's true. And that would be like the coolest form of success to be able to put something out there and find a group of people who are like, man, that's awesome. Like, I love that, you know, what you built here. I'm sure there's
2: games out there that have sold millions and millions and millions and millions of copies, and not one person is proud of. What they did on it, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I talked to someone today, and sales figures for video games
0: is so funny as a metric, because I could name to you the top selling games of last year, right? And outside of Elden Ring, (laughs) I probably didn't play any of them. Any of them? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you talk about the top selling games every year, people people will routinely tell you that Call of Duty is a tired franchise that people rescan every year Uh and that like no one really likes it. But then like they're the top selling game every year. And even on a bad year for call of duty Uh where you play and you're like, God, how did we put this out? It's a top selling game every year. Yeah. And it's not close. Generally Um, battlefield as a big battlefield fan. I can truly say that 2042 is one of the worst shooters that I've played recently. (laughs) I think it's terrible. It's not battlefield. It's, it's, it's big call of duty. It's like a giant version of call of duty because they were like, Hey, they sell a lot of games. Let's why don't we do that? Let's do a battle pass and make crazy cosmetics and get rid of everyone's a fucking hero character. Now, like uh-huh. it's just like, it's soulless. Like I get it. People want to make money. Right. But that's, that's not what I fell in love playing all those years ago, playing bad company Two or, um, battlefield three or whatever. Right. Like I, you can always look at games and sell a bunch of copies and some of them will be good inevitably. Right. Like people put a lot of work into those. No question. Yeah. But some of them are just like if for, for certain gamers. Right. And I would consider myself someone who I really enjoy narrative based experiences when it comes to like third or triple A games. Um, I'm not generally someone who's going to run off and buy every first person shooter that comes out and I will play sports games, but it's like, casually like my father-in-law's a big football fan so like we'll play mm-hmm. madden together sometimes kind of thing that's but it's nice. not something that i'm like oh man i'm going to stand in line for the madden release like it's just mm-hmm. that's not my thing but you know when narrative-based games are coming out the last of us um the new god of war uh, all the sony titles jump to mind because they like kind of specialize in building narrative-based games ghost of tsushima was another one that came out you know fairly recently that was like this is amazing those are the games that I get super hyped about. Those are never the top selling games, uh-huh. even though Sony sells a lot of first party copies. Right? It's just that's well, yeah, not they, how they,
1: sales don't, they works. don't touch the numbers of Call of Duty or something. Yeah. No, it's, it's
2: not fine. even close because Call yep. we haven't played what Call of Duty in how long Tyler? We played a lot. Uh, well, I,
0: I can't completely shit on it because I thought that the 2019 Modern Warfare was really good. I, it felt like a return to the Call of Duty that I loved when I was 13 or 14 when Modern Warfare first came out. Like I really loved that game. I thought it was super cool. But it was the first of its kind you know what i mean we've had 12 of those since then it's true yeah maybe more um so it's you know i'm excited to see what they do with the new one for the story but i know that it's going to be like a michael bay movie it'll give me seven (laughs) hours of um you know explosions and bad guys with russian accents but like after that it's 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 quick fun right like it's you're going to see the predator it's not going to be a cinematic experience it's going to be fun it's you know you you know what you getting into there's there's
1: certainly space for that right there's a market for it no question And apparently Um, an enormous market for it
2: (laughs) a massive (laughs) massive market for it (laughs) which is the market Um, we're not currently interested in right now (laughs) yeah it's just not for me
0: currently it's not i don't i don't judge the people who do play it um it's just it's it's certainly not for me but um god how did we get here i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah this is what you happens, know, this happens, when, happens but... when you start going um anyway i tell you what let's let's uh let's move it along here but uh can you talk to us a little bit about the uh time dependent combat um portion yeah of I the mean, game like, and kind of what what generally that means to you okay
1: so like a little bit of this is like getting into the whole like um way that my animation system works uh mm-hmm. to talk meaningfully about this but uh It's all driven from a machine learning model that uh, uses a whole bunch of motion capture data to real time synthesize animations that are like very context dependent in a way that I'm hoping feels, you know, richer and more kind of like uh, unique and dynamic than you're used to playing in a game or certainly in an indie game. Um, and so the time dependent combat is really just that, like, uh, there's no sort of arcadiness to what this game is going to be. There's not going to be a thing like where you mash a button and that's going to do the same thing every time. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's not even the sort of thing, you know, due to just the sort of nature that, machine learning models are and like how neural networks work. They're like, I even know exactly what's going to happen, right? Like it's, you sort of have to treat it like a black box a little bit. You put the input of what the, what the player controller input is. And it outputs a thing that, you know, hopefully I've created well enough so that it does the thing that you want it to do as a player, but it's not going to be the same thing and it's going to feel more dynamic than you used to. Um, and so yeah it's not gonna be that arcade thing there's not like i'm not gonna do that thing where i hate when like people make like the bad guy like they flash red for a second like the sirens going like i i fucking hate that shit like except Mm -hmm. in an arcade game in an arcade game it's great but like when people do that with like a world that i was for a second like immersed in and then all of a sudden it's flashing red and there's like a metallic sound for some reason when i'm hitting like a mammal like it just it's just weird and i've never understood it and so like i don't (laughs) it's it's gonna be combat that is like uh versus a baddie that like it's going to lunge at you and you're gonna like do some stuff and it's only if you like kind of get it right that it's gonna it's gonna connect and it's gonna do the thing, or else you're gonna die. And there'll be a lot of dying in the game for sure.
2: Oh, I'm a big fan already. Right there, a lot of dying <laughs> in the game. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> I'm ready yeah, to be it's, hurt. It's again. interesting
2: that yeah, uh, yeah. No kidding. I
0: um, you know what? Never mind. I, that's a whole nother aside. I was getting ready to talk about. <laughs> he was going to talk re- about Tarkov again. Tarkov. <laughs> yep. <sighs> We're gonna leave that along. Um, no. I. It's interesting that you bring up the um kind of immersion break of when people give you a fight that is you know for all all intents and purposes supposed to be something that you're really invested in right and it's believable because otherwise it's hard to be invested in and then all of a sudden yeah I mean like you said right like here's like a quick like a rune flashes and you're like oh this is unblockable let me make sure to do the double jump here like as much as I love Sekiro like that's exactly like that combat system was based on like, Hey, you can need to block all this. But then like, when you see this symbol get out of the way kind of thing. And, and, um, the thing that I maybe liked about, if I'm going to stay with Japanese samurai ish games, ghost of Tsushima's combat on the ultra lethal difficulties is that there was almost none of that. Um, and those enemies, I mean, it, it, every enemy kind of feels the same. Like you're fighting foot soldiers. So, mm-hmm. like how different could they be, right? But there's no like, you know, he, here's this guy's tell, or, or you know, there's a flashing such and such on the screen. Someone's getting ready to shoot an arrow at you. Like, nope. Yeah. You just need to stay moving and continue to block because otherwise, people shoot arrows at you and it hurts. Um. So I, I think that the um idea of not being given those handholds is probably intimidating for a lot of folks as far as like the player agency like well you know if i press a button it's not always going to do the same thing how do i know that like my skill plays into this sort of thing Uh i think that would be interesting to see kind of how you handle or you know tackle that challenge but the other the other thing that i do think sounds really promising is that all of these combat encounters if you're not being handheld mean that it, like when you are able to complete them you stay immersed the whole time because there's nothing to pull you out no flashing lights no crazy you know hey here's this telltale wind wishes by right like make sure you jet dodge now like yeah um so i i'd be really curious to see um you know w- once things are playable and and, and ready to be shown off kind of what that looks like because it sounds um Immersive is the word that we keep talking about, but I, I, I do think that it maybe is a theme for what you're shooting for. De- it's that de- definitely you've yeah. got a vision in your mind, and you really want to bring people into that world. Um, yeah, it sounds like I you've mean, got a good like, plan the for thing that. is,
1: like, like what I'm talking about is you know the combat that I want to create, and like again, due to the nature of what I'm trying to do, only like kind of right now, am I like at the place where I can actually start to build that i tried to uh earlier this year like prototype combat and um so like so just like a quick little like background on like the motion capture stuff he's like i have to just create for the way that my animation system works is i just need hours of like raw motion capture data and so like stuff where like you have all a bunch of somebody moving around and and like swinging a sword and attacking shit and there's just there's not like a thing that you can acquire without your own motion capture kind of solution. Uh, yeah, you, I
0: have so many questions now. Yeah,
1: so you can you can like buy like like I so what I tried to do is like I bought like this asset on the Unity store where it's like these super high quality like sword fighting animations and it was the it was the guy who did uh all the animations for the witcher 3 okay uh and so it's like like a super professional highest quality thing but it's like you get like 40 you know three second clips and trying to turn that into a data set of hours of motion is just like it's not something that i was able to do unfortunately so like you i kind of ask- got there i got a little close
2: is it not to, as fluid?
1: It No, it, it is as fluid. It's just that the way machine learning models work is like it's so contingent on having a ton of data. And especially, so like, I'm able to get enough data for locomotion. So like for walking around and running and all of that. But like then the transition from like, well, I'm like, what if I'm like walking backwards, you know, into the left and, and swinging my sword as something's coming at me, right? That's like, yeah, th- that doesn't there's, and there's no machine learning model that will be able to synthesize that without something in the motion that you've shown it to that you've shown to it. Uh, it, it's no model is going to be able to do that. So it, the the only kind of answer in the end was to, uh, get my own solution and, of all the solutions that I evaluated, it took me like eight months to get to one that like actually works at like a standard that I'm happy with. And so I was like, it's like right now, like in the past two weeks, I have a motion capture suit that works for me. And just today I got like the tracker for the sword. So like I'll be able to, you know, like swing the sword. And like eventually, like I I, I imagine that like before this goes, you know, like before I release the game, I'll, I'll hire an actor somebody who actually knows how to like, fight with a sword and stuff. But for right now, it's going to be my next be, question. It's going to be all like, me for Are right you
0: a now. trained sword fighter? <laughs> no, no.
1: And it looks really funny. It's like, like one of my favorite things to say about like my like stuff, the animation that I like post on Twitter is that, like my main character is like a teenage girl but like she moves like a middle-aged man. You know, mm. it's just, that's like, yeah. But, and like I don't want that ultimately, but for right now, it's good enough. Like, and it'll get like the, it'll get the game to a place that it needs to be
0: first. Well, it looks. Yeah. It looks I great. I mean, I've, I saw the. That's
2: that's all I was gonna yeah, say. I motion, saw what, what you had posted about mocap. Yeah, looks so really that's really good. That's what like prompted me to like uh, reach out to you is because like I saw the motion of it and I thought it was like a cinematic. When I, fir- when I first went through your Twitter and then I was scrolling down and I saw the actual like mocap uh, shot you had and I was like, uh Oh no, that's a gameplay. I was like, oh. I was like, that looks, that looks right up. Like that looks really fucking good. That's why I reached out to you in the first place. That's
1: that's awesome. I mean, like seriously, that makes me feel super good. I've worked intensely hard on it, and uh, you know, just that's super rewarding here because I think it's like a huge aspect of what makes my game
2: special. So I, I saw that a recent one, that little shuffle you did. and You had a little juke, where you went a uh, little yeah. sidestep, and I was like, oh yeah. I was like, that. yeah, and I, and it's like, and, and like not even like like
1: getting jazzed about my thing, just thinking about the way that any sort of like currently existing like character controller like works if you do that sort of move right like it's it never really kind of looks right it never really no. kind of looks right except like like sure like rockstar can do it because they have like a team of 100 people working on a character controller and they know their exact like computation budget, budget on it and yeah
2: yeah yeah and you got you in your in your apartment doing mocha me and my apartment i think is like, just right? amazing
1: and it's the important part is that it's a New York City apartment, so there's no space. like, I have to, like <laughs> yeah. All the jukes come from the fact that I can't just move in a straight line.
2: <laughs> oh, man. That's hilarious. I, would I, like saw, to see a I saw that earlier. Yeah, I'd like to see a video of you actually yeah. doing mocap I mean, in your apartment. I mean, you will never
1: see that. It's like horrifically embarrassing. Like, oh. I kind of look like Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. Like, it's just like a horrible, <laughs> horrible getup for sure. Oh yeah. man, and if it's you cool. can
0: dodge a wrench, you can slay a dragon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay, going to write that down.
0: Yeah, 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 put that on a t-shirt somewhere. Um man, no the it, it's funny like talking about character motion because it's not something that I don't think I mean, most people probably don't sit around and think about that until you see something that's different from the standard, you know, status quo, right? So, I the thing that jumps out to me is that video game main character third party or um third person um motion, right? is not one of those things that I ever really thought about until I played titles that like started throwing a couple of like, just like, Oh, that's a different, I wouldn't have expected that. And something that jumps out at me is like the uncharted games. Mm-hmm. Like they're still third person, you know, standard animation, but like even just little things like the fact, like, you know, Nathan Drake will trip on a stair uh-huh. yeah, or like, yeah. kind of like, Oh, as he's going up a staircase and run into a wall. Right. Like in, in, Every other game you play, he would have your character would have gone up the stairs perfectly, right? Almost like their feet are just gliding on air. Yep. There's not act. They're not actually touching anything. And if you ran into a wall, it, your guys would just kind of like slide along the edge of the wall, right? Like there would be no yeah. like physical kinetic contact with that object, other than like it's. I don't know. It's you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah, weird, right? T- totally. It's weird. And
1: you know, like Naughty Dog, like they're like you know sort of like experts and like really take this stuff seriously and always have, right? I remember playing, like, um, I feel like it was maybe a second Uncharted, but just, like, the climbing animations were just so good. It -hmm. was, like, I I feel like I could kind of climb anything, even though it's very much, like, uh, you know, a guided tour. But, but like, it felt in the moment when you start climbing, like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, I I always, there's this, like, there's this meme where uh, uh, it's this, like, these paintings of uh, horses in like medieval times. And they're just like mm-hmm. super wrong. And they kind of have human faces and it's like the people that were like painting these things, like had never seen a horse before. And that's like, that's, I guess like, how I feel about like people doing like locomotion animation in games is like, for the most part, like they just had never seen a human walk before. And like they're like, you know, their implementation of it is like, Just not careful, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. like, there's like, you know, you don't, you clearly don't need this thing to be a fun game, but it's something that definitely breaks immersion, right?
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think you can build a fun game that's not immersive at all. Like, there's lots of those, right? Like, arcade games are really fun sometimes, right? But there's score counters going off and damage numbers flying all over the place, and you know uh, they're not immersive at all um but i've i've played a lot of games that are super immersive and like is the fun factor there uh, maybe not like maybe it's not what i would classify as like fun mm-hmm. but it was a really meaningful experience like sinuous sacrifice the hellblade games are not fun <laughs> right like they're that's a fucking bleak place to be huh but you exist there like when you're playing those games they're immersive they went to great lengths to immerse you in that shithole yeah and it it is it really I mean there's a reason that that you know that's one of the most anticipated sequels coming up yeah. I think it's like really soon like Machido did you see Spons. did you see
1: the the gameplay trailer for the new gameplay trailer for like a, like a month ago yeah. or something
0: Super. when DJ was talking earlier about seeing your game, and thinking oh that must be a cinematic uh-huh. and then being like yeah that's oh, what
1: i thought watching- that's a gameplay yeah yeah
0: that's that's the last time i remember that happening was watching that the the hellblade 2 trailer and then being like oh my god is someone's controlling that yeah yeah I that's gameplay it, it
1: looks it looks absolutely incredible like bad, i mean probably. like you don't know what like one of the cool things and i think it's like a cool thing not like a, a bad thing but like you don't know what that feels like until you play it right but yeah. like to yeah. look at it, it looks cool as shit. And if you say that it doesn't, you're fucking lying.
2: Right? Yeah. Now, hundred percent. You're hundred percent correct. I'm gonna check it um, out. I've never played those games, but now I need to watch that. The original is
0: is pretty cheap, um, and it is one of the craziest, like maybe seven hour games that I've ever played. Hmm. Um, we could talk about it offline, but yeah. get a good pair of headphones, which I know that you have, and a dark room, and sit down and prepare to be disturbed um but, but uh anyway um drew when um like if you had the timeline and i know it's still far off because you said you got the the sword mocap today but if you had to like when do you think you're going to be ready to kind of start showing this off a little bit
1: i think um so like i've, I've had no like, hard commits here, no by no the way. no for I'm sure for sure so <laughs> i've had like the only thing that right now is like imposing a timeline on me is that like I do like probably want to work with a publisher at some point and mm-hmm. like to have like to definitely need to like figure out any sort of like good deal with a publisher. You have to have a good vertical slice of your game. You need to like be like, this is the game and you can play it. You can see that it's good. Right. And due to just like the technical, like uh, difficulty of like the core game loop of, the Milk Lake, I think it's just something that take me a lot longer than it takes most game developers to get to. But I, I, I do think my goal is kind of like in six months, I'll have a vertical slice. And cool. with that, like, I'm not sure what I'll do with it. Like, I don't know if I'll share that with anybody other than publishers and people that, are, you know, like I know and are interested in trying it out. Um, but yeah, probably six months to a playable thing that represents what the game will be and then you know like it depends kind of like uh, you know th- th- what it ends up being like how long it takes is in the end is like a impossible to answer question yeah, Some, yeah, somewhere okay. between three and five years
2: that's actually okay. the best answer you probably give to that because like rushing in video games especially never works out right yeah, it's, it's never for sure. it, recipe for disaster yeah um we were talking to uh Brian Clark, he's the guy who solo dev'd uh the mortuary assistant. Have you ever seen that, yeah, and yeah. he had, he talked about the haunting system and like getting that right, and it took him like two years to get that game out, but like yeah. he probably could have released it before, but he wanted to make sure everything was right, and I think that that waiting and make sure everything was you know perfect when he released it actually worked out so i'm I don't want you to feel rushed i'm I'm ready to play it, but I will wait I will. <laughs> I'll, I patiently. will send
1: you. I will send you guys. Like you know, like you'll you'll get a copy to play as soon as I have something that like. Oh man, want. I
0: was I was getting ready to say if you need play testers, I, I'm happy to sign in. The sure. it sounds really cool. Yeah. Um. Can you and and we don't. I mean, this was not. Uh, so every, I think everyone listening knows that we generally do some light scripting for what we're going to talk about. This ain't on it. So mm-hmm. um, I'm shooting from the hip here, but I'm curious. The setting of the world. Mm-hmm. Can you like just paint me a picture of like what type of environment you are imagining? And the reason I ask is because I am trying to think my way through in my own mind, right? Like, oh, well, like I wonder what this would look like. Is this going to be a high fantasy setting? Is this a fantasy setting at all? Is it more of a medieval thing? I'm assuming there's dragons and villages. Right? But like what what do you envision for like the aesthetic of this game i
1: think like uh def i mean definitely fantasy bordering on dark fantasy um like i like one of the things i did as an exercise is i like um you know like i have like my like spreadsheet of lore and like all the characters and like i i made like a map like kind of a tolkien looking map of the world Mm -hmm. and like everywhere that you'll go um but yeah, so it's it's definitely like a dark fantasy sort of thing. And, uh, you know, just briefly talking about like like the Milk Lake, like what that is, is like this is a world. Yeah, it's, such
0: a, it's an interesting title. Yeah, yeah I,
1: I want it to be like what is that? That's like creepy and
0: like gross maybe. So, so that, that was not <laughs> – I don't know if gross is what I was thinking, but like say, when I DJ told me about it <laughs> – he yeah. was like, "Oh, it's called the milk lake."
1: <laughs> like, yum. Yeah. And I'll then I saw the mocap,
0: <laughs>
2: <But> <laughs> and I just felt like it, there's something that's like <sighs> there's an appeal to it. That's what got me to reach mm-hmm. out to you. There is a the motion and the name. To me, it mostly was the motion capture stuff, like watching the animation. Like, and when the the little the, the I can tell you the moment where I was like, I'm sending him a message. It was uh, shuffling between the trees Uh uh-huh going off right there i was like oh it tickled something in me and i was like that is i'm super interested in this and like it's very appealing and that's why awesome yeah well
0: what i was what i was saying earlier about just the title is that there's something that's like slightly disturbing off-putting something like a milk lake i think would be if you get like the Willy Wonka version of that out of your head though and uh, you think about like a dark fantasy version of it like it it doesn't sound like a place that I would want to find myself. No,
1: definitely not, right? Like
0: And so I was like I wonder like what kind of environment that like it sounds bizarre. Yeah. But I mean it that sounds like it fits within kind of the the the, the theme somewhat. That this you're is probably for.
1: like way too like nerdy parts of the world but like uh Kind of like the the thinking behind like that name choice and like what's going on is like like pre-scientific cultures, right? Like they have like a much worse, you know, blunt idea of what like the fundamental like building blocks of nature were, right? Like yeah, like the like the the Greeks had an idea of atoms, right? But there's like these imagined things, and like now we know they're like way, way tinier things. But we don't really know if those are the tiniest things, the ones that we found, right? But like sure. really, really old cultures, right? Like milk might have been like one of the things they thought was like a fundamental element of the universe, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of the way that like uh, the milk, like, is like a that's, that's the thing I want you to feel about it is like this sort of primitive kind of element about this world, but um, but yeah, also, this is like a, part of the lore is that um, in the world, there like there's not like a lot of lakes in this world. And all mm-hmm. of the lakes have a dragon that is like a partner to that lake. And so the dragon that's kind of the character that is motivating the, all of the stuff that happens in the first act of the game um, is the milk dragon who his, his name is Locke, but like he's, he's a partner to The milk lake and the milk lake is just this thing that um everybody just kind of understands has corrupted all of the lands that uh it flows through on its way out to the sea
0: yeah Uh, that's that sounds fascinating yeah and that that's kind of what i was i was curious about is just generally like if i tried to imagine myself in this world right like what am i in for here um but, yeah, it sounds like y- you've got symbiotic relationships between these lakes and then the dragons and um the idea of primitive cultures I think is is really interesting to explore. There's not a lot of games that have looked at primitive settings before, and i I don't think that that's even what you were saying i like, I don't know that you were committing to this as like a
2: primitive setting, but, but the naming of it.
0: it well it's just like like how many it, it just it sounds really unique, and I think that that only you know sets up good things for the future as far as like building an experience that is memorable uh, and something that people are going to want to check out right like it the thing I think it would scare me outside of like the technical know-how if I had to build a game tomorrow is like how would you set it apart like there's so many games out there now like sure I think DJ you and I since we've been doing the show have been talking to a lot of indie devs and, and kind of diving into that catalog of game a lot more lately. Um, triple A gaming speaking for myself here has been a little bit of a letdown in the last couple of years. I feel like there's been some, some gems, but like, I, I feel like for the most part, there's a lot of promises made and it doesn't always feel like it's delivered. And so finding these, these, you know, what start as passion projects and people really build something that's like so unique and creative and, you know, is there some jank to it here and there? Sure, right? But, like, if it if it's... There's some soul to it, too. Like, I mean, Ready or not, it's not a perfect perfect shooter game, but it's got way more feeling than every other first-person shooter I've played from a major studio in the last four or five years, right? Like, yeah, that's, like, just, the
2: only first-person shooter i ever played where you walk into, like, a room, like, a different room, and you're, like... You kind of stop, and you're, like, oh, fuck. Like, it's a half-horror game, dude. Yeah, right? You never had a crackhead chase you with a knife
0: through a house that you can't see through, like...
2: That's scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever um, played that game Drew, but I, I highly recommend.
0: Yeah. Right. It's a, ready it's or a not.
2: fun time with friends.
0: Yeah, it's a SWAT simulator, but it's um the level design is is what Level design's amazing. Yeah. And the gunplay is super super um it's really tight and and highly realistic compared to what you get I think in a lot of video games. So it's um as far as first person shooters goes, which I again, I think is such a watered down category these days. It's got some real, like there, there's some something to that. There's some substance to it. So yeah, if I you hope. get it, let us anyway, know. You, um, you
2: can, uh, you can play with us. We'll show you the, we'll show you the, the Valley of the <laughs> dolls.
0: Yeah, everyone's a target there. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, I, I, I again, damn it, I. <laughs> yeah, we're going off. But I think what the point that I was
2: trying to make was that in the last, I'd say like three or four years, uh, I think indie games. And indie developers have kind of like outperformed a lot of AAA titles. I mean, my favorite games the last couple years, mostly indie games.
0: Expectation wise, like to
2: to be sure that we're we're speaking the same
0: language. I'm not saying that these games are are selling units right, but when it comes to surpassing expectations, Um, Valheim jumps to mind for me as like one of those games that nobody saw coming and if you've played that game you know that for twenty dollars you got one of the best survival experiences made in the last little bit and it's not even like that's not a that's a game i would say is um they're arcadey for sure and the visuals don't lend to immersion but the but gameplay still, there's itself. there's still good
1: visuals. Like Valheim still looks good to me, right? Like they I, are. Yeah, right? But yeah, but they're not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get They're not
0: right? shooting for for photorealism, yeah, right? But like yeah. you can get immersed in that world. I was playing earlier today and just running around, and I'm looking at at some of the, the map, and I'm just like, like I can totally see this being a real place. And like honestly, if there weren't everything trying to kill me here, <laughs> like the idea of like setting up a tent and making myself a fire, and yeah. just sitting by the shore, like this is a beautiful location that these people have built, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, this is, this is a thing that, like, indies can do this because they just have, like, a different, like, they don't have to hit the mark to a broad enough audience. It's the same thing I was saying before. It's, right? so, like, you, you don't have to hit the lowest common denominator like a AAA game has to. Like, yeah. you know, like, my stuff, my, my animation is super expensive to compute. Like, that's a huge chunk of my frame time. And one of the reasons you don't see this technology in triple a studio games is because like they don't have that budget for it it's too much but i mm-hmm. as like an indie where like maybe nobody will buy my game like i can choose to prioritize that in a way that AAA studios can't choose to right so like that that's how you end up with indies who like you know they're like the innovators and this isn't just a game thing this is how it works in all of the industry where the smaller you know less conservative financially embedded organization is the one that's able to move faster and do stuff and disrupt another super tired words like that
0: yeah that's that's interesting to think about like you said even from um outside of games but like when you you think about uh consumer products even like people who are trying to sell to a smaller market and they're like we don't someone will buy this and I don't care maybe that this is going to cost a lot. I don't, I don't care that that's a barrier to entry, right? We're going to build, I mean, I I think about cars, right? Like Mm -hmm. Christian Koenig Zeg was like, I'm going to build the craziest supercar the world's ever seen. And if, and no one buys it, then I'll have the craziest supercar the world's ever seen. Uh, But if they do, then great. And like, I've never even seen one in real life, Uh right? But everybody who's, even remotely interested in automotion, automotion, automotives, <laughs> uh, cars and things. Right. Um, automotion, write that down. <laughs> no, words. Um, you know, but, but there, you know, a con is, that's a dream product for people, right? Like that's something that I would love to see much less own. Um, and it's just because one guy was like, fuck it. Like, I don't care if this costs $1.2 million for me to make, like we're going to make something that's super cool. And that really pushes the boundaries. And Ford can't afford to do that, right? Yeah, totally. Well, well I guess they could, but they they, they could, but prices. like
1: only in like a, <laughs> a like vanity project kind of way, right? Not in yeah. a not in a way that's like we actually think this is cool and this is like a thing that we hope works out, right? Ford would never right. try to sell that. Ford right. would just yeah, that, be like, "Hey, exactly look what, what we made! Of. Look at us! We're Ford!" Right?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Fine. So it it, it, it really did. is interesting to think about that. Oh, DJ TJ! I know. I, I knew as soon as I was like Ford. I was like, hey, he's going to give me a fucking history lesson. I mean, they they've done
2: it <laughs> twice. Uh, they they spent they gave, gave Carol Shelby a blank check in the '60s, to embarrass for the sole purpose of embarrassing Ferrari, and they succeeded. And then a group of Ford techs made the new Ford GT in secret, and they got in caught. secret, right? And yeah, they, that's they, a wild story. Yeah, in secret and got caught, and then they were like, yeah, fuck it, we're just going to sell this car. I mean, so Ford is a Chevy, GM. Dodge Chrysler those I would, perfect examples. Ford is kind of wild, sometimes. I can't imagine being. They of a, a history
1: engineer. of being, you know, innovative. Is what you're saying? Yeah, or I mean, following that I think their
2: their motivations are a little different. In the '60s, it was like it was like Ferrari was like "fuck you," and Ford was like, "No, fuck you." Yeah, <laughs> so, people are gonna make a
0: movie about this. Yeah, yeah. Um. I can't imagine being a well-paid engineer and just like not doing what you're supposed to do. Cause you're working on this other crazy project that has absolutely no market. Like you can't go to market with okay, this hold on. Let me... and then your boss catches
1: you and you're like, uh, look what we made. This is like, I, I, I hate to disagree with you, but like, this is my entire career is like only that, like working as an engineer is always like, okay, I have a thing that my boss wants me to do or that mm. I've agreed that I'm going to do. And then there's like the thing that I'm actually working on, the thing that I'm thinking about and the <laughs> thing that I'm like, that I want to sell everybody on. Right. Like it's always, that's always been how I work is like, I always, I'm never working on the thing I'm assigned. I'm always working on the thing that I want to work on and that I think I can sell people on at some point. Yeah. But that's kind that's of that's like, brain. that's how
2: you get like success out of stuff like that. No one, no one really succeeds at being a robot. Right. They succeed at like, Leaking oil well, all over the true. place, and well, you know, what I'm talking. Not, not. There's lots of people yeah. that 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 are really, really successful at
0: building that thing they were tasked with, but there's no one who who ever got to be the CEO of their own company because they built the thing someone else told them to build. Yeah, you got to innovate. Somewhere. Never happened, right? Yeah. So it's, um,
1: it's a weird. It's a weird. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, um, Drew, thanks thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate for you, you coming I, to I talk to us about the game, man. It sounds yeah. amazing. So. We'll uh we'll keep an eye out for uh for those play tests. <laughs> I'd love to check it out. Yeah, or same. honestly, even if it's not playable, if you get something that is like where you can play it and just show it, I'd be really curious to check that out. Even you know, NDA's aside, right? It sounds really, really cool. Um and, and best of luck on on um you know, building out this world that you've envisioned. Learning to sword fight or finding someone to sword fight <laughs> sounds like a harder thing than you would think. <laughs> Does um, man.
1: I tried it out today. Like it looks like it's too slow and dopey. Like, use like, use a fully weighted prop
0: people will be able to tell. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, no, yeah. but th- thanks guys. I, I appreciate the opportunity. It was fun talking with you.
0: Yeah, man, this was awesome.
2: So um DJ, if uh there's nothing else and I don't think that there is, we can go ahead and wrap up. Yeah, um, for all the listeners at home, uh, don't buy uh, Southern Tier Brewing Company's beer. It's not very good. But more importantly, uh, follow us on Twitter. Our next episode uh, will be a live episode. So look out for that. Um, other than that, boys, anything oh, else?
0: No, no, no. No. Yeah, there is. Uh, Drew, where can people find you? Oh, yes. Like, Where can people find I mean, your game and what o- you're working on?
1: Only on Twitter. <laughs> so just Twitter and I'm the milk like. You can find it.
0: Yeah, that can't be a common handle. No. So we'll, <laughs> we'll search you out. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man.